Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to Crynant. My name's Julie J, and today I'm talking to the hilarious... Maurice Gohan. ...about the Scissor Sisters. Race, I was just saying this is the one that everyone wanted to do. It's it's I think we'd agree. Um in terms of dismemberment, it's iconic. Yeah, well I feel like it changed Irish history. Like when had we ever read of something like that before? Well we hadn't, Brace. That's why we're talking about it today. It was completely insane. Um so this case, of course, if you are Irish, I'm sure our Irish listener has already heard of this case. But we're going to go into the deeds for our international listeners as well. So the Scissor Sisters, a.k.a. Linda and Charlotte Mulhall, um, you obviously would be familiar with the work, Maurice, before, you know, previous to this. With the, the chopping up or their other Just work? Just their story, you'd be familiar with them. Do you know what? I would, but also, like, I don't know how many details I've pieced together in my own mind. Like, did yeah. one of them have an upper lip piercing? Yeah, but you see now, to be fair to them, that was of the time because even looking back, <laughs> even looking back on the trial photos and like there's a lot of black eyeliner, there is a lot of like the jean in the cowboy boot, but like that was just kind of millennial. They showed up to court in jean cowboy boots. Well, like, you know, like a jean tucked into like a boot was a real look in the noughties, certainly like the early noughties. Yeah, I'm looking at one of them right now. Julie, I don't know if this is necessarily a sign of the time, how well, they're looking. I think, well, I think they're really taking it to an extreme. Like, well, you, can, you can tell they're rough girls. Well, look, you uh, put it to you this way. If we were in pennies and uh, let's just say I'm just plucking, let's just say Charlotte was reaching for a 36C bra 
And I was reaching for the 36 Zebra. This, by the way, is pre-pregnancy when I was a good old, just like a nice little handful at a 36C. I would say since the last bra and, you know, they have the matching knickers in their hand, I would definitely just let them have the 36C. <laughs> it's that kind of look. It's that kind of aesthetic. Yeah. yeah. But did you tell me, did you have a sister, scissor sister story? Do you know what? It's a it's a very non-story. Um, but what happened, I went to Mount Joy. Is that where they're at? That's the big jail, isn't it? Dokus, yeah. Yeah, the next door one to the... So we, we went on it in college, like a visit to Mount Joy. Um, oh, by the way, this is... Like, I have... I never did any of these tours, but so many people have told me about these tours they used to do around the Dokus prison so the prison in my yeah. I presume they've stamped that out because it was just really really strange very and you'd have one guy who because you do the main joy and the woman's one as well and you'd have them like someone giving you kind of the tour but they're in the jail they're a prisoner and they show you their room and they're like you know and there's like they'll have art on the walls and like you know greeting cards and all this stuff like valentine's cards from his girlfriend and like he's the one giving the tour because he's like you know part of the thing but it's like it's someone who's like raped someone yeah i don't i mean i don't know if they still do but i really don't think it's okay to be honest i know a friend of mine was he was in the women's section i didn't know that they did it for the men's section as well but he did say that he was attacked by a female (gasps) prisoner well not like it was, I think it was just that they were trying to have the crack, but they took it too far with, they had like, what you call that thing that picks up litter? So they had one of those oh. and they were trying to get out his little weenie. Like he's a good looking guy, <laughs> but also because he's gay. So he's like this, if I wasn't gay before, like this is literally my worst nightmare. And I think like a load of them, like kind of surrounded him because he was such a good looking guy. And he was like, oh my God, one of them is armed with that litter picker. <laughs> And it just all turned a bit nasty and the tour had to be cut to halt. But I think they just got a bit excited. Like, I'd be the same. Like, at the moment, if the postman comes to the door, like, I'm giddy. Yeah. So, well, especially if you have a group. It reminds you of in school, you know, if a boy would... I went to an all-girls school and if a boy would happen in on the school, you just go mental. Oh, you like think a dog like the eat. Diet Coke ad. Yeah. Yeah. You'd be, and, yeah, some little spotty lad. And it would just be like, show us your dick. And tell, and you know that was no way to greet your geography teacher. <laughs> but tell me, so did you meet the sister sisters on this tour? No, so we went, so we did the main joy one, which was like a lot more like nitty gritty, and then we went over to the women's one, and they live like a life of absolute luxury over there. Like they have TVs, they have proper bathrooms. I've heard it's nice. Yeah, this is what my anonymous friend, I won't name him, did say about the place. He's like, I will say lovely vibe yeah like I swear I saw a, a tin of quality streets in there like it's just it it, it felt like just like a college dorm okay and but and then, were the sisters there so this is like so anticlimactic so there was like a woman that looked like one of them and I was like that's one of the scissor sisters but it turned out it wasn't um because the thing is a lot of female prisoners have that same aesthetic yeah of yeah. the sisters, which is just like very hardened face. 
and two pieces well, of but hair. They, but, they, but they've they've had hard lives, is the thing. So they've all like most of them have had really shitty lives. Hence why their aesthetic is similar. Yeah, that's true. And also because um, Catherine Nevin, who I don't know if you remember Catherine Nevin, of course, who was jailed for murdering her husband. But she kind of ran the prison during this time period now that the Mulhalls would have been there. And she ran the beauty salon as well. So, again, I'd say a lot of them just had the same look. Oh, right. (laughs) You know, if you were going in saying, "Okay, I want the new Christina Aguilera again, just placing this back in 2005. And like, you know, I'd say it would just be like, okay, so you want blonde. That's what I'm hearing. And everyone maybe had a bit of a, a bit of a uniform hairstyle, I would yeah, think. Yeah, a lot of gel was probably used. Ah, yeah. Well now listen, I I'm still on the moose. Like the eighties are back as far as I'm concerned with the curls. Okay, let me tell our listener about the Mulhalls. Um so by the way, that was the story, Maurice, was it? Yeah, Julie, that's all I have. That's my <laughs> <laughs> I think I think we need to talk about your definition of story, but I'm glad <laughs> I'm glad you shared that. Yeah, it was um kind of a moment of excitement um that turned out to be um just a miscase miscase or miss miss case case of mistaken identity. Yes. Exactly. Now, I'm not saying that with any superiority complex, considering I am the one who can't pronounce scissors sisters. Like my my primary skill lisp is coming back to me here. So I'm not taking the high road in putting words in your mouth there. It's some words are tough. I do a radio piece and um, every week and the editor is always getting at me to listen to them where he's like, just so you realize that you don't pronounce words correctly. And it's like, but I don't realize that I think I'm doing it right. I'm not purposely like mispronouncing. I I didn't realise I mispronounced so many words until I started doing up to 90 with Emma. Like what would you sibling. be mispronouncing? I, well, I have been saying sibling about for 35 <laughs> years. Wait, like for a sibling, like a person, your brother or sister? I just thought that B was a V. I was like sibling. <laughs> Trinity revoking that English degree any day now. So the Mulhalls, so the Mulhall sisters. So the Mulhalls were from Kilclare Gardens, a working class area in Tala. Their parents, John and Kathleen Mulhall, Kathleen, of course, was a very important figure in this story, raised a family of three boys and three girls. Allegedly, it was a very abusive marriage. And the marriage eventually broke down, of course, and then Kathleen entered a relationship into it, it entered a relate into relationship with Farah Noor in 2002. So Noor, which is just insane, he moved into the house, the family house with Kathleen while John Mulhall was still there with the kids. So this is what we call like okay. Right. OK. And I'm guessing it wasn't like a big house. Or there was like I mean, separate no. wings yeah, or anything. No, like I mean, I imagine, I imagine like a three-bedroom house, no more than yeah. the rest of us. So uh, John Mulhall then, of course, was like not happy with the situation. So he moved, he moved out with some of the kids, 
and uh, then moved back into the house after Kathleen had left and moved to Cork with Noor. So Kathleen and Noor returned to Dublin in 2004. And again, uh, Kathleen Mulhall um, was, there were numerous accounts of her having attended hospital with physical injuries. Um, and it was uh, clearly like a very abusive relationship with Noor. So again, there were a lot of, you know, accounts to that effect. Uh, Linda Mulhall, of course, he was uh, one of the sisters is uh, very pertinent to this story. Linda Hall was Kathleen's daughter. She was 30 years old in 2005. She was unemployed, had left school early and had four kids. The relationship with the father of her kids broke up and she got into another relationship with an individual called Wayne Kinsella, who subsequently was very abusive. And uh, again, the abuse was later investigated and the kids were taken into the care by the social services. While Wayne Kinsler served a six year prison sentence for cruelty to the children, which, of course, especially at this time, would have been very unusual. So it really says a lot about how bad the physical yeah, abuse Jesus was. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Yeah, because even now, Maurice, and I can't speak for other jurisdictions, but certainly in Ireland, like I think physical abuse of kids well, any abuse of kids will stop. I mean, it's just, it's really not punished. No, you're right. I think, well, actually, I have no basis for thinking that. But I do feel like social services here are just, like, very lax. Well, I think just, I mean, in my experience, I think, you know, probably a bit slow to intervene. It might be something to do with the fact, um, I know you did law, Maurice, but maybe would it be something about the family unit in Ireland? It's given this this, this very specific constitutional protection. So maybe it's something to do with that. Yeah, I'd say say I did like two law classes, Judy. So... (laughs) (laughs) Asher, look at... I did law as uh, I, whilst I was in the process of having a nervous breakdown. I was after coming back from Australia. So, like, I say I did law, but come on. Yeah. Let's all, let's, let's all be friends here. Like, calling like it to say. like compensation. Remember that where you fail, but, like, they just let you pass? It's like yeah, you just... well, I I just did it purely as a distraction as a distraction from facing my own issues but I still like to kind of throw it out there every now and again but it, it does just you know in relation to like Linda and again the type of life she was leading it just says a lot that this guy got six years especially at this time for yeah. physically abusing the kids it just says it must have been so very much. bad yeah six years in jail I mean, but you can imagine what kind of home life that was, like if it if it ended in a six year jail sentence. And he himself had been extremely had an extremely violent history, having been thrown out of school for violent behaviour. And uh, again, um, he so in the 2013 interview, her, his sister Donna said that her brother had always been an extremely violent person and said that he used to beat members of his own family, including his parents, and had actually broken her jaw on one occasion. And in May 1996, Kinsler received an eight-year prison sentence for the murder of a retired auctioneer. I don't know if you remember, you were probably a bit young, but I do remember this case at the time just horrified people. So he killed this poor man. Well, this is just the worst now you could ever conceive. He killed this poor man while the man was visiting his wife's grave in Glasnevin Cemetery in 95. And what's it? Why was there a reason? A robbery. At a grave. Jesus. At a grave. So like this guy 
to say bad guy is like understatement of the century. And again, he was jailed in lot for life in 2012 after he'd been found guilty of murdering a 20 uh, a, a 29-year-old called Adil Azali in 2011 so again it just points to the fact that like obviously this guy was just a horrendous person linda mulhall his partner meanwhile had a history of alcohol abuse and also suffered from an addiction to heroin in saying that she did only have one conviction prior to this in 2005 she only had one conviction in 1993 for larceny god what dream parents linda and wayne I know, but you see, it is, but it kind of as well, I guess, when you factor in like drug addiction and like a cycle of violence, it's just horrendous. I mean, it's horrendous. It's unimaginable for the kids, like, you know, what kind of atmosphere they were living in. Yeah. Like when I think about what I go to therapy for, it's like that's absolute child's play to what they'd be bringing to the table. Well, I guess, you know what? It's all relative as well, though, isn't it? Yeah, like for all we know, their kids have grown up to be like absolute wankers. Yeah, well, you see, this is it. You just don't know. Like, I, but I know what you mean. That like every now and again you do read these things and you're like, oh, my God, I'm never giving out about my mom and dad again. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it's but there's always going to be that person who just kind of lowers the bar even more that you just think, OK, yeah, no, this this is actually what bad parenting is. Yeah, so start- someone out there that makes Wayne look like an absolute gent but the problem that's the thing it's probably exactly that probably we hope not but you know unfortunately probably is the case so Charlotte Monhall was 21 so she was nine years younger considerably younger than Linda when the killing took place like her sister she had a history of drug and alcohol abuse she had a number of minor previous convictions for criminal damage and public order offences and she was also involved in prostitution so during their trial Gardy described the girl's upbringing as troubled and tough, which, you know, seems a fair assessment. Yeah. So Farah Swalla Noor was 40 at the time of his death. He arrived in Ireland in 1996, claiming to be a Somali called Shalila Salim, whose family had been involved uh, in the Somali civil war, had been killed in the family's Somali civil war. Subsequent investigations revealed that he was, in fact, Kenyan, and that his family was still alive. The Department of Justice ordered that he be deported, but he appealed and was granted Irish citizenship in 1999 on the grounds that he had become a father of an Irish-born child. He had four previous convictions for things like intoxication, assault, abusive behaviour, and a bit of a trigger warning. So in 1997... This is like, again, just like the most horrendous crime you can imagine. But in 1997, he raped a mentally disabled 16-year-old Chinese girl. Yeah. Oh, my. Oh, God. He deserved this. I always thought. Well, the thing was, this was the thing that like during the course of the Scissor Sisters trial, like a lot of stuff came out about this guy, which was just so despicable. Like Like, that has to be one of the worst things he can do. Yeah, and that poor girl had a baby. She had gave birth to a son, and then two other women had kids by him as well. And again, both described that they had, like, both said that they had been raped by him. Uh, <gasps> oh my so, god! Really, and it was this, really then bad he got guy. citizenship based on these children. 
No, he'd actually had. Um, oh, actually, that's a good question. But I think that so he got citizenship in 1999. Um, and I think oh, I'm not sure if he had another kid. I think I think he did have another child from a previous relationship. God, the Irish law is some so, absolute joke. Well, he well now they have because of course then they brought in a few changes to that since. But uh, like he he definitely had four, if not five kids, say in Ireland. Right. Um. So Noor had faced, you know, he faced all these charges of disorder assault, one involving a sexual assault. Uh, he was convicted on three occasions, but insanely never served time in jail. How? Oh, I mean, how is right? Who knows? So even though like at one of the scenes where apparently a sexual assault happened, like this guy was obviously he was very predatorial. Like it was horrendous, really, like just some of the crimes that he was involved in. But at one of the scenes, imagine, of an, of an alleged sexual assault, the guards actually found a knife. So you'd wonder, like the guards found the knife. So you'd wonder how on earth he didn't serve any jail time at all. That is wild. Insane, yeah. And so I suppose you, know, you just have to remember that like, the Irish courts really do hate women at the end of the day. Like it well, seems like any you, sort of thing against women, it's like, okay, well, just don't do it a 95th time and you'll be fine. But it's, it's totally true. And like even you could say, I mean, I don't even know where we're at now with it. I mean, I couldn't even, I couldn't even speculate. The exact same, even, say. Yeah. I mean, when you wonder when somebody says I was sexually assaulted in this place and the guy had a knife and the guard goes and there is a knife and still he doesn't end up in prison. You know what I mean? It's, it's yeah. just mental. But he lived at a few addresses um, as well as the inner city before moving in. So he lived in Dunleary as well as the inner city before moving in with Kathleen Mulhall and Gardy, which I think would have to be understatement of the century, described him as being particularly violent towards women. So... <laughs> Understatement. Okay, so on the, the guardy come in very, um, very prudent in their description. I know a troubled childhood. Yeah. Like I would probably <laughs> describe my childhood as troubled. You know what I mean? Like seriously. Yeah. But it's it's yeah. So they're as you say they're prudent. So on the day of Nora's death, Linda, Charlotte, their mother, and um and Noor himself have been drinking heavily in Dublin Dublin city centre. Uh, Noor had bought vodka. Kathleen Mahal had gotten co- Coca-Cola, which they drank as they walked around the city before stopping off on the B- River Liffey boardwalk, where Charlotte and her mother took ecstasy, ecstasy, ecstasy tablets. So if you're an international listener, just know this. Never, ever hang out on the boardwalk. Yeah. Looks like a nice little place to sit down and look at the Liffey. Um is not I've had one friend that's been spat on twice when she's been on the boardwalk but you see I just think none of us should ever be on the boardwalk I I really I I see it's a lawless place I see tourists meander down the boardwalk and I'm literally just honking from my iris saying don't do it to yourself it's just it's it's lawless it's it tends to just be I suppose to be fair a hangout for people that might be homeless they're waiting for a hostel to open they're killing time but it's just generally it's kind of people who are up to no good yeah um so they so they took the ecstasy tablets they returned to kathy millhall's flat where the women 
you know, they sorry, they t- took the tablets in the flat. Kathleen Mulhall crushed a tablet into Nora's drink, so they were, quote, all on the same buzz. So apparently he didn't want to take the pills. And Kathleen was like, I'm just going to put it in his drink to just make sure that we're all on the same page here. Yeah. Poor man so, being forced into something he didn't want to do. Well, I can you imagine? Yes, I know how hard for him. But Linda, so Linda and Noor were sitting on the couch. It was a two-seater couch with Charlotte sitting on the arm when Noor started touching Linda in a sexual way. He spoke into her ear, put his arms around her waist and refused to let her go. Kathleen, obviously Linda's mother, then started screaming at him and a verbal altercation took place where Kathleen Mulhall was alleged to have instructed her daughters to, quote, just kill him for me. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Charlotte picked up a Stanley knife and struck Noor across the throat, inflicting a wound that sent him to the ground. Linda then picked up a hammer and hit him on the head a number of times. Their mother looked on but did not participate. Noor was stabbed at least 27 times, but it may have been more more um, because the pathologist obviously didn't have an opportunity to examine the full body. But at least 27 times anyway, he was stabbed. Linda and Charlotte then dragged Nora's corpse into the bathroom where they began to dismember the remains. So this is why this case was like so huge in Ireland. Yeah. We've never encountered this. So this dismemberment was so comprehensive. Like we had never in the history of the state. So the judge in their trial did say this is the most grotesque crime Sorry, well, his exact words were, this is the most grotesque murder case I've ever had to deal with. So Linda and Charlotte dragged the body into into the bathroom. Noor's head, limbs and penis were severed using a kitchen knife and a hammer. They put towels over his legs to stem the faux blood. The dismemberment took a number of hours and the body parts were placed in black plastic bags and a sports bag before being disposed of in the Royal Canal. This took the three women several trips. They decided not to throw the head in because they didn't want the body ID'd. So instead, which was just one of the many bizarre parts to the story, the head was brought by bus to Tala, where they walked through the square shopping centre to Tymon North Park. They walked where Charlotte dug a hole with a knife to bury the head. Kathleen Mulhall threw the knives and the hammer into a nearby pond. A number of days later, Linda Mulhall allegedly returned to the park and dug up the head. Using her son's school bag, she transferred it to a field in Kilnarden Estate, Tala, 
where she broke it up with a hammer before burying it again. And they were on ecstasy when they were doing this. Well, I mean, that was, yeah, like, say, the first evening, you know, this dismemberment would have been going on for hours. Uh, so, so probably, like, you know, playing the tunes, just, like, having an absolute... So it, do, it, it does kind of run counter to everything you presume ecstasy to be uh, in terms of a, a love drug. Yeah, but maybe they felt so much love for the mum. Well, you just... see, now, their, their defence at the trial was basically like, my mum made me do it, which did not wash at all. So they could have maybe been fueled. Actually, that's very true. Like, maybe that was kind of part of it. But, like, certainly just, you know, their judgment was clearly skewed. Uh, but the killing only came to light 10 days later when Noor's leg with a sock on the end was seen floating in the canal a few hundred yards from Croke Park. So the guards' sub-aquadivers retrieved most of the rest of his body in seven parts. They put, the guards then traced his identity through media appeals. And in what, like, what was totally mad, I could not believe this is actually how they identified him. He was, imagine he was only identified when someone recognised a T-shirt that he was wearing. Wow, what was the t-shirt? I Like, it was a white t-shirt with some kind of pattern on it, but it was interesting because that was actually what, it was on, it was on Crime Stoppers, and someone got in touch, and, like, obviously, he wasn't spoofing, like, it was actually him, but it just seems such a random way to identify someone. Yeah, maybe it was a t-shirt that was like, I hate women. <laughs> and his friend was like, I know, that's my boy. That's maybe it was like the, the t-shirt printer was like, I remember printing that t-shirt. Yes, yeah. I hate women. <laughs> yeah, no, I know the guy. So Noor's head, of course, again, one of the more interesting parts of this case, the head and the penis were never found. Right, yeah. Well, but she, but we know where the... We know where the head is, don't we? Well, she had moved, Linda had moved the head. So apparently Linda was really fucked up after the murder in that she, like, well, I'm, I'm not saying that the others didn't feel guilt, but she did felt massive guilt, you know, was freaking out about the whole thing. She went back, dug up the head and then buried the head somewhere else. But I'll get to where she claims the head is, but they actually never found the head so she claimed that she moved the head to another location now she was as well just to say like during this period she was on like a serious kind of a drugs binge at the time because she was saying that she just wasn't coping with the whole situation whatsoever so I don't know if maybe it was a case that she didn't remember what she did with the head or yeah I'll get I'll get to where she said later on in prison and what she did with the head but the head and the penis were never found so and the sisters and their parents. So interestingly, Kathleen was obviously arrested, but also their dad, John, who was like nowhere near the scene of the crime, was also arrested in August. Poor but tonight, John just can't get a break. And you know what? It is really shit for John. I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. But like John, out of anyone, obviously had nothing to do with this, this case. But a number of weeks later, Linda contacted investigating officers admitting her involvement so it was actually Linda was the one who said like I did this Gardy took a voluntary statement from her at her home in Tallinn in August 2005 until this the guards were making really limited progress the guards had searched the Mulhall flat in Summerhill and they had found bloodstains which were later confirmed to match Nora's DNA 
Um, but after Linda's confession, of course, Kathleen Mulhall, remember, I don't know if you remember this, she fled the country in September 2005 and the guards weren't able to locate her again until t- 2008. Uh, she'd been living in England. So that was one of the things at the time that, like, it was, you know, I suppose if you wanted to kind of sympathise with the Scissor Sisters, like the fact that the mom just basically ran away and left the two of them to go down for this was probably pretty shit. Yeah, I mean, she didn't, she wasn't coming across as like mother of the year in this story before no. this. Um, but yeah, because I, I always think with the Scissor Sisters, I like, because I do think the love that you have for your mother is different to any other love that you have. So I always think like if my mum asked me to kill someone and it would be so against her character to do it, I'm like, would I do it? Or if she came to me and was like, look, I've killed someone. I don't want to go to the police. Will you help me hide the body? Like, yeah, you're, you're I not mean, rat your mum out, are well, you? you see, well, you see, you're not, to be honest. You, you're really not. And I think like their current relationship with their mother now, I think just says a lot in terms of, you know, I mean, I would say probably on the day that she did, she did tell them to kill him. Yeah. I like I'm not saying that they should have killed him and I'm not you know I'm not excusing the fact that like obviously they have to take responsibility for their actions but like the murder like the mother themselves the mother herself was definitely not like an innocent bystander here no absolutely not Um, and and sadly and sadly the dad John Mulhall he actually committed suicide when his daughters were charged with the killing in December 2005 which is oh no yeah yeah kicked out of his own home by this lad and then yeah it's just it's it's just all quite fucked up really the whole thing but so the poor dad you know um killed himself then and Again, so, you know, Linda and Charlotte were both charged and their trial took place in the following year in October 2006, with Linda Mulhall being found guilty of manslaughter while her sister Charlotte was found guilty of the murder of Noor. So part of that might have been the fact that, like, Charlotte was the first one to make contact with him, like, physically speaking, in terms of the attack. So oh, right. Charlotte, the younger sister, who was much younger, she got life. Uh, whereas Linda got 15 years. So Charlotte had to get the mandatory life sentence and Linda got 15 years. And again, the judge, which I already said, said it was the most grotesque killing that has occurred in my professional lifetime, was the quote. Um, So the judge, part of the reason that she did, like 15 years would be considered like the higher end of the spectrum in terms of like a manslaughter sentence but one of the reasons interestingly that she did get the higher sentence was the judge had said that Linda who was a heroin addict had initially tried to halt the trial by refusing to take methadone so that was one of the aggravating factors in her sentencing so that she was kind of trying to slow down proceedings a bit and both sisters appealed on different grounds and both those appeals were denied Right. So Kathleen Mulhall voluntarily returned in 2008 to Ireland and was charged with, among other offences, two counts of giving false information to the guards 
uh, withholding information which she, quote, knew or believed would be of assistance in prosecuting her daughters for Nora's murder. She was also charged with impeding an arrest in a murder investigation and she pleaded guilty to helping to clean up the crime scene to conceal evidence. And she was sentenced to five years in prison in 2009. That's nothing really, is it? Nothing. No. Yeah. And and it was funny because obviously they were all in the same prison then. So they were all in Docus, like the mother and the two daughters. And are the daughters, would they be mad at the mother for like yes, turning on them yeah. like that? Yeah. So basically, well, obviously, they, I'm sure they were totally fuming that essentially they probably would have viewed their mother as having gotten into them, them into this mess. Yeah. And then their mother fecked off. But so they were all in, in, in Doka's prison. And actually, I think, yeah, it was Eleanor Tiernan. Um, I remember saying before she did a gig um, in Docus and the Scissor Sisters were there and she did make a joke about God you know the only thing worse than being locked up in prison is being locked up in prison with your mother which I think is a great joke um, how, did, how did that go down? Did they have a good sense of humour? Bit of a mixed response <laughs> I think but um, well of course they had like Catherine Nevin who I'm going to do in another crime land would have been seen as very much a mother figure, certainly to Charlotte. She was very close to Charlotte. So she was kind of this matriarch to them. So I imagine the actual mother coming in. I'd say the actual mother was not met with a warm welcome whatsoever by the inmates when she came in. Yeah. Because she was seen as well as completely, you know, completely stitching her kids up. Yeah. So I, I doubt I doubt she was well received. So she went to prison in 2009. So in April 2009, Linda Mulhall claimed to phone inmates that she had in fact smashed Nora's head and distributed the fragments in rubbish bins in the Phoenix Park. This was the first disclosure of where Nora's head had ended up and was referred to as the, quote, the final secret of the Scissor Sisters by Cormac Looney in the Evening Herald. So that's what she claims she did with the head. Now, Charlotte, just in terms of kind of like, you know, the last couple of years and then being in prison and like release dates and all that. So Charlotte caused a further national controversy in 2008 when photographs, I don't know if you remember this. Do you remember the photos that emerged of her jokingly holding a knife to the throat of a male prisoner in Mount Choi Prison? Release no. the press. <laughs> so as a result, security in Irish prisons was increased. But how was she even in that prison? But sure, people, like, people had so many questions when that happened. So apparently there was some kind of, like, social gathering. So this was news to, like, the general <laughs> Irish public that you would in any mixing. way have any little gatherings between male and female prisoners. It was just insane. So she posed for this picture and obviously it made like the cover of all the red tops and headlines all over, like people were horrified. So because of that, she was moved to Limerick Prison, which was, it, it, of course, is the only other Irish prison to contain a women's unit. Although she was then transferred back to Dublin on petition. So in 2017, in a series of letters, I thought this was really interesting, printed in the Irish Mirror. Now, there's a lot of stuff. I Like I only took this because a lot of, a lot of the stuff in the letters was like, Charlotte says she enjoys getting her hair done, like just stupid <laughs> stuff. But the, the one thing I thought was interesting, she said in this letter, which was leaked to the Irish Mirror and they printed it. She said, I hate Linda so much. She should have got life, not me. She did more than I did that horrific night. It went a bit out of control that night. I believe <laughs> I'll never get... 
understatement of the century. So um, Charlotte has been taking a leaf out of the guards book in terms of describing evening. Yeah, yeah, I, it's all kind she, of dead She said, I believe I will never get out of prison because I don't know where Farah's head is. Only Linda knows that. So they basically at this point were estranged, even though they were both in prison, like they were no longer speaking. Last Christmas Eve, so 2019, she was tra- Charlotte again was transferred to Limerick Prison after she was caught having sex with the prison worker in her cell. This had been the second time Charlotte had been embroiled in a scandal with prison staff. In November 2017, a male member of prison staff was found hiding behind a shower curtain <laughs> in Charlotte's ensuite bathroom. Like, if you're going to hide... Well, I guess where are you going to hide in a prison cell? Behind a shower curtain. I mean, really. But Linda Mulhall was released in 2018, having served 12 years of her 15-year sentence. It had been reported that she had fallen in love with a prison officer while in prison and apparently has kept in touch with him. Uh, And she, when approached by media after her release, said, I just want to get on with living my life. The officer in question that she apparently fell in love with subsequently left the prison service service and started a new career. Uh, they were having a great time in there, weren't they? They were getting a lot of action, I have to say. So Charlotte is still in prison. Uh, Linda has been released. And actually their mother, Kathleen, revealed in an interview in 2018 that she is dying from a chronic lung, lung disease. And she spoke about her regret over the crime, which, of course, saw her two doctors locked up. She also said that her daughter, Linda, no longer speaks to her, uh, which I think is kind of hardly surprising, really. I probably wouldn't be speaking to her either. Yeah. But you know what is we Like, I just, just knowing what your man did, I'm like, like, I just have no sympathy. I'm just like, well, good riddance to him. He wasn't, he was not a sympathetic person at all. You know, he really wasn't. And like, there definitely was a ring of truth to how the girls described him because based on the fact that he clearly was a sexual predator, it does kind of ring true that he was kind of chancing his arm with Linda and things got out of control. But I guess in saying that, like the viciousness of the crime was such that it was, it was so grotesque to think that a human being could do that to another human being. It's It was still shocking regardless of the type of person he was. Yeah, I suppose that's true. But you never, I suppose you never know like what is going to come over you if you've killed someone and then it's like, we've all watched CSI and all those shows. And so they probably, yeah. especially if you're off your face on pills. I like you're going to be getting. <laughs> I mean, honestly, you'd think they'd just throw on a bit of Rihanna and be done with this. Maybe they did. Maybe they had some Rihanna as they were like <sighs> chopping into it. They definitely, I think you're right. There was definitely a soundtrack going there. Like if they were all just gurning off their face on drugs, like there'd have to be some, there'd have to be some disco beat in the background there. Um, So I would be interested to find out what that soundtrack was. I'd say it might have been like a greatest hits, you know. What was the? It could have been like the. I think that would have been the time that the Christina Aguilera. Um, oh yeah, it'd be very like feminism. Very yeah, like yeah. you know, girl power. The three of us. Bit of that, but you see, then maybe it would have been that song. I'm beautiful. Maybe that was the one on repeat. <laughs> but I don't think he was ever saying she wasn't beautiful, was he? 
No, I mean, no, I don't. I don't think that was an issue. I would say, like Justin Timberlake would have been kind of big, you know, at that stage as well. So maybe there was a bit of like, Senorita, I feel for you. <laughs> Yeah, God, I can't. I, I'm trying to think of how I'd feel if I was like on pills and someone introduced a dead body as I'm like really fucked out of it. Well, like, it's just easy, easy as well. It's it was. I remember at the time just thinking, oh my God, what a grim, grim life that you're doing pills with your mother. So sad. Oh, I just remember thinking at the time that for me was nearly the saddest part. <laughs> Can you imagine doing bills with your mother? Like, it's so ridiculous. Yeah, it's, I mean, I'm sure that was, although if they were like big druggies, that was probably nothing. Like, my mom would just be like, put a wash on. Like, we'd just be like, dude, putting washes on. (laughs) Yeah, you'd have to wonder. the floor. Yeah, not a good mother. Well, it's it's sad because they the girl the the girls, which is so infantilizing, like and these women are, you know, in their well, I mean Linda Linda's well into her forties. It's very young. And like it's interesting now, you know, Charlotte said this in a personal letter. At the same time, I'm sure if I'm writing something from prison, even if it is a personal letter, you're still, you know, even if it wasn't true, I would say it if it's painting me in better light. Yeah. But it's interesting that she claims that Linda did way more that night that, that night than her. And she feels wronged that she's having to serve the longer sentence because she is, you know, she's still in prison. And like, as you say, like, she's going to be, by the time she gets out, she's going to be nearly 40. And Linda was in her early 40s by the time she got out. But what's sad is for the two of them is that they obviously did just have horrible, horrible lives as well, not to excuse their crime. But it's like that cycle of violence repeating itself. So like Linda's kids obviously would have been taken into care. Charlotte was actually pregnant at the time of her arrest. So she got to keep her son for the first 18 months in prison. And then he would have been again put into like foster care. But it's just kind of it's just very sad. And it just kind of seems like it's been repeating itself. Yeah, very cyclical. Where, Very sick well they're like, definitely shit mothers as well so it's like they've who knows what course, their kids are like yeah. and I think I'm sure like I'm sure they love their kids but at the same time like they obviously were not around for the kids growing up because they're in prison so like they had shit childhoods the kids then have shit childhoods like you'd hope you know the kids have you know been happy or you know well placed the last few years and that they're doing okay but you just feel so bad for everyone involved really yeah and for some reason I just don't feel bad for your man who got who got chopped up well you know what I think you wouldn't you probably wouldn't be alone in that um but I mean certainly as a character he's probably as unsympathetic as it gets but yeah. at the same time the crime was so grotesque like you would have to meet out pardon the pun but you'd have to you'd have to (laughs) you'd have to really be very punitive when it comes to crime like that like regardless of what kind of person he was but you know if you'd heard so what he did to the mentally disabled girl if you'd heard then like her dad found out and then did that to him you'd be like oh I know yeah of course yeah cut him up and like so it's okay maybe they they probably didn't really care about his other stuff 
But what do you think they did with the penis? God, I'd say they had some laugh with the penis. De- they definitely did something. They did not just Ate throw it, that maybe. away. I was thinking maybe they they or cooked, used it. fucked it up. They could have no. I think I think they I think they probably did something funny. Yeah, definitely something like very humiliating. Yes, I think that was like the vibe where it was like you know you're like. It wasn't, I, it wasn't treated with respect anyway, I would guess. Well, I think I think to leave it on a balanced note, we are saying dismembering and dismembering people, that is wrong. I'm not saying that. I, okay. <laughs> I think I've been very clear on that, Julie. I'm saying no, like, you I'm have, this. yeah. I, I'm just trying to pretend that like the last five minutes haven't happened. I'm like, so what, we're both in agreement. <laughs> No matter what someone's done, you can kill kill them. Okay, thank you, Marie Scown. It's lovely to be on the same page. Um, that is the story of the Scissor Sisters, which is just a mad, mad story. A lot sadder than I thought. I thought it was going to be a real, like, ha, 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 but it's, like, horrible lives. It's just, it's, exactly, it's just kind of like, there's so many victims in this story, to be honest. Yeah. You know, even the prison guard wrapping himself in the shower curtain. Like, can you imagine when he was found? The yeah. embarrassment of that. Yeah, I'd say he's probably like one of the, I wouldn't be that concerned about him. He was just getting the ride. They probably do that all the time. I wonder, like you'd hope, you know, I, I had forgotten that they did have the dalliances until I was researching this. But like you'd hope that they're just respectful of the prisoners as well. You know, you watch Orange is the New Black. Oh, yeah. Please don't let it be like that here. Well, I'm guessing, like, if you were going to be like that, it's not the Scissor Sisters, you would do that too. Like, there's definitely got to be an air of, like, okay, let's not fuck with them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Well, I know what you mean. You wouldn't be giving them the runaround. No. You, cer- you certainly would not be cheating on them with another prisoner. I tell you that much. No, although I wonder if there was like a bit of c- competition between the sisters. Well, I'd say there's just a, I mean, you see, it's sad as well, because obviously they just like probably there was anger there that Charlotte got the longer sentence. And I can't I mean, I was trying to find information on their relationship in prison, but I can't say whether they were ever still close in prison. But it's sad that they're estranged from one another now as well. Yeah, you think it would have bonded them together. Or it's like, well, this is what we have that no one else has. And, and But Charlotte, obviously, as of 2017, anyway, still has that anger. That she you would be fuming. Yeah, you would be really angry at that. Well, and maybe because, like, ultimately, I suppose it was maybe Charlotte at the time viewed it as protecting Linda. Because he was making advances towards Linda. You know, maybe there's that anger as well that, like, I'm kind of in here because of you kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. But it's hard. I mean, I'm being purely speculative trying to get into the thought process of it. But, you know. Yeah, it would be mad if it was all over, like, absolutely nothing. Like, he changed the song on the radio and they wanted, like, to keep playing Mania. And (laughs) murdered him. And we're kind of given all this. The thing is, is that we don't know because obviously we're going on their account. But what, like based on his history, 
it's not that much of a stretch. But that's the thing, Maurice. Like, maybe he did just change it from Justin Timberlake. Yeah. And then it's like all this built up, you know, animosity. And you never know, I suppose. Maybe they don't even remember it. If they were absolutely fucked, like been drinking all day, I wouldn't be able to tell you. I'd say there's a lot of gaps. And I mean, honestly, it just re- it's another reminder don't go on the top deck of any Dublin bus because like to think that they were there with the head. Oh God, yeah. On the bus. It's like, just like stay safe, stay downstairs at all times. Yeah. Maurice, it's been an absolute pleasure. If we want to find you, Maurice, where would we find you on the Instagram? I'm on Instagram, Jill and Julie. I'm eight away from a thousand. I'm so Yay! close. I can taste it. Um, it's been at a bit of a standstill. Um, eight more. God, it's going to be some day when I get to a thousand. And then I know it, the next day it will be down to nine, nine, five again. Because that's the nature of the biz. Well, that's the nature. Like, I have to laugh because I put, you put up, you, I, whenever, whenever I put up my pregnancy diary, which is a weekly thing, each time I'm I loving between, that. But I, I, I enjoy it. So it's for my own amusement. But like the responses generally, I have to say, been great. But like I generally, on average, would lose between five and ten followers a pop. And I'm like, I, guys, I think it's here. the coronavirus. I think people are getting very particular. Like I think a lot of people are bleeding dry at the moment. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a really funny one because even I find even say with the podcast that like the listeners, you get lovely messages. And, you know, the listens are good, the numbers are good, but it doesn't necessarily translate into people finding you on Instagram. But then I guess the podcast I listen to, I don't actually go and, and find people on Instagram either. Yeah, that's true. Although sometimes they do and then I will unfollow where it's like, this is kind of boring. Like I would unfollow yeah. them all, so I understand the unfollowing. Well I, well, I had this conversation with two comedians this week because this, just to let the listener know, this is how fucked up we are, that we constantly discuss losing followers on Instagram. But it just seems to be a thing that everyone's losing them on the daily. Yeah, I think there's a climate right now. People feel like the punter feels like he's in control. He's like, oh, I, well, by the, by the short and curlies. And they well, feel the power <laughs> that they can just press and follow and they know they're going to absolutely ruin your life. And like we should be talking about it right now because there's people listening at home absolutely delighted. They and know what our go on right now. now. Yeah, they know. They're going to unfollow me just to unfollow me. Oh, do you know what? I'd nearly unfollow you myself tonight just for the crack. <laughs> and you know what? Shane Clifford will be ecstatic when you reach a thousand. Well, I've been on just because I was like, I feel I'm... like he's been on this journey with you. Yeah, Shane Clifford, I was actually, I was going to ask him for a shout out, but I was like, do you know what, I think I've bled that well dry. And but he's, 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 he's on his own journey. Few, he's on his own journey, but he has put up a few times. I just love, is he going to the UK? No, he's get, he's close to 3K, 3,000. Oh, close to 3K. I thought you said going to the UK. I was like, oh, God. climate. Leave his house before or after the coronavirus. Uh, nothing has changed for Shane. He's no, just living his life. As sin. Oh God, well, he's uh, at 3,000. I'm fuming. I'm absolutely uh, raging. Do you want me to unfollow him to bring him back down to 2,999? No, he's at 3,009. So we'd need to message another eight people as well. 
Uh, look, I'll make up some kind of rumor about Shane, and we'll, we'll get <laughs> we'll get on top of this. Shane hates women. Um, yeah. So, did you give your Instagram handle? Maurice Comedy. Love it. And also, I'm thinking of posting a nude in like the next few days. So, look, you're absolutely beautiful. So, I think you do you. I'd l- I'd love to see Maurice nude. <laughs> I have one that I'm just like, do you know, I think I'll do this. I think it's the right climate. I think, you know. Not- I remember this absolute ape that I shifted about uh, maybe four or five times. Um, but he wasn't a comedian, but thought he was a comedian and ran this really non-event club um, somewhere down the country. But I remember him telling me he had a brainwave, which was to do topless comedy. And he was like, he was going to go topless and do comedy. This was his thing. Well, it's because if you have a good body, that's not going to be funny. Like, you'd have to have like... No, he did have, but it was just because he was like, I want people to see my body. But then I met a friend of his in Dublin, like, just at a bar, like, just bumped into this guy. And I was like, what? I nearly said your man's name there. But I was like, what is so-and-so doing (laughs) with the topless comedy? I was like, surely that's a joke. And he's like, he is dead serious about the nude comedy. Like your man was like, don't even make a joke about it. It's so important to him. I was just like, and did he ever do it? I don't think so. No, I think something shut him down. I'm not quite sure what it was, but uh, I think if someone did that, that would be reason to like chop them up. Yeah, I mean, I think I think we'd have the Justin Timberlake on for sure, and maybe dismemberment could happen. Yeah, you'd but see again, how it went. Just to reiterate, it's not okay to dismember people. No, and just to reiterate, sometimes I think it might be. Okay, on that note, Marie, <laughs> it's been an absolute pleasure. Stay safe out there. Yeah, stay safe. Uh, was that to me or to people? Just to you and to people uh, in general. Thank you, Dee. Okay. It's to everybody. Chat, chat to you soon, love. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me. This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.